got Dr. Braxton Hunter, pretty talented and well-known apologist, shared the stage with the William Lane Craigs to the Mike Laconas to all those guys. Jonathan Pritchett, Dr. Pritchett is here and he is a New Testament guy and does a lot of stuff, a lot of podcasts, a lot of debates, so on and so forth. So is the guy on the left Jerry Lewis and uh, Braxton's trying to be Dean Martin here? <laughs> the straight guy and the funny guy? They gave us nothing but tradition and no argument. All they did was get on this stage, yell real loud, and set a straw man on fire. Okay, now, this, it, I, I, I was not impressed. Hell, Jonathan Pritchett. This Jonathan Pritchett. Fresh and Jonathan Pritchett. Jonathan Pritchett. And Respectfully, that sounds like a little bit of a dodge. I'm claiming victory. So where I come from, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Greetings and welcome to another edition of Trinity Radio. I'm Jonathan Pritchett and along with me is... Braxton Hunter. And today we are going to talk about thoughts and prayers. Stick with us. This is the first word. Treadmills are stupid. You know, when I was on my what I called a weight loss saga, not calling it a weight loss journey, I never once stepped on a treadmill. Um, well, that's, I probably stepped on it a couple of times, but it was not a big part of my weight loss saga. Um... I think they're pretty stupid. The other day, I was at the gym, and of course, the it being the first of the year uh, at the time of this recording, uh, the the New Year's resolution people all were coming to the gym now, and overwhelmingly at my gym, there's treadmills, and they were more full than not. Well, I had got to the gym early, and that means I had finished my workout early, so I had a few minutes extra before I normally get back in my car and go home. I decided, well, I'll just get on a treadmill for a few minutes or whatever. And, and I got on there and I felt like, well, number one, you're not going anywhere. And two, that this was just the dumbest thing that I could ever do. Uh, the first reason why treadmills are stupid is because after you sign up for a gym membership, that even at my gym, it's not that expensive, but you're literally spending most, if not all of your time at the gym that you paid for a membership doing something that you could literally do anywhere else for free. Walk, jog, or run, you can do that anywhere other than the gym, okay? But you might be saying, yeah, but at this time of the year, it's kind of cold. It's, it's better to do your walking and stuff on the inside where it's warm, and a treadmill's good for that. Uh, no. Um, suck it up. Go out there and walk around in the cold. Uh, number two, I've been going to the gym since last June, okay? There were people on the treadmill who were... Uh, members of the gym before I was, and uh, they're still members to this very day, and they're the, the five-ish in the morning, the 515 crowd, okay? I still see the same people there now who were there when I started, and they don't look any different. They don't look like they've gotten any healthier at all. And so I'm under the impression that if all you do is go to the gym to do your uh, whatever steps you can get in while you're at the gym and leave, you're wasting your time. Because, what, you can go two to three uh, miles maybe uh, in an hour depending on how fast you go if you go three miles an hour you can go three miles in that hour whatever but you're only there for 45 minutes and the rest of the time you're just talking to people let's be honest um, yeah guess what I work out my workout takes probably anywhere between an hour and 10 minutes an hour and 15 minutes and you know how much I walk at the gym I get about 2.2 miles on my pedometer. You know why? Because I will do a set of 10, then I will walk for my minute to minute and a half break, and then do another set, and I walk between sets, and I don't ever get on a treadmill. So I'm not downplaying cardio here, okay? I get my steps in. And guess what? I look different. Now, I'm not trying to body shame anybody. If you like going to the gym and just to walk on a treadmill and you're not trying to lose weight, even though 
probably could stand to lose some. Uh, that's fine. Uh, but for those of you who are gearing up to go lose weight at the gym, don't be like the resolution crowd and the first thing you do is get on the treadmill because that's a stupid waste of your time. If you want to walk at the gym, do what I do. Lift heavy things and then walk and then lift more heavy things and then walk again and lift heavy things and walk again. And if your goal is to lose weight, you will. And now, today's topic. Welcome back to the main show. I'm glad that you're here. And uh, so, thoughts and prayers. Um, it is not uncommon, Dr. Pritchett, as you know, that whenever there is some kind of a tragedy or someone is desperately ill or something is going wrong that, uh, that causes suffering, then we hear Christians say, or religious people in general say, our thoughts and prayers are with you. And uh, so you, you were thinking about this lately because skeptics will often say, uh, and not even just skeptics, sometimes former presidents will sometimes say, that's not enough. Right. And um, in a sense, I think I agree, but I think in a more important sense, you disagree. So why don't you break it down for us? Well, uh, one of our uh, longtime fans and supporters, uh, Kendra Buck, mm -hmm. of the uh, Kendra Buck YouTube channel, look her up, subscribe, like, and all that. She had made a comment that there, kept appearing with all these recent things going on, fires in Australia and whatever else. Uh, she kept saying how that mantra of thoughts and prayers aren't enough or thoughts and prayers don't accomplish anything keeps showing up all over social media. Ah, but now those are two different claims. Yeah, they are. But mm -hmm. just something, but the, the overall sentiment of, of demeaning. Yeah, like shut up about your thoughts and prayers. Right. We're it, trying to actually do something. And here. a lot of them from non religious people, mm -hmm. of course. And some religious people that, that may in the sense, agree with you and what you find agreement with the statement. Mm -hmm. But overall, um, probably the majority of it being non-religious people using that as a, a snide comment that you're not... Yeah, the sense in which that. I agree with it is yeah. um, if someone's going through, a, like say someone in your church, their house just burnt down. Right. And you could try to help them financially, or you could make food for them, or you could buy them some clothes, or give them some of your clothes, or whatever. You could actually physically, tangibly do something to help, which yes. seems to be a New Testament principle. Yes, and James. Um, but then on the other hand, you just say, oh, hey, listen, sister, we're going to be praying for you about that. Uh, brother, we're going to pray. Uh, just know, you got, you got the hunters over here praying for you. Yeah. You know, okay, well, it's not that there's not something great and important and deeply spiritual and powerful about prayer. It's that in addition to the prayer, you're using the prayer. It's really using yeah. the concept of prayer to ignore your own personal responsibilities to someone else. Yeah. And, and, you, and, you, uh, and you shouldn't do it that way. You should pray in addition to helping them. But I, I, I think that when most people are sending thoughts and prayers because they hear of an unfortunate situation... Most people have good intentions with that. And my argument was this, that when you start thinking, which is always a good thing, about some tragic event, mm -hmm. well, for religious people, thinking about that can move you to prayer, mm -hmm. okay? And prayer, if you're praying about something, um, I believe in the power of prayer, that God uses prayer, God answers prayers, prayer works. Oh, me too. And... Also, that you are, you are, in fact, doing something when you pray. Mm -hmm. And in that time of prayer, you might be moved by God mm -hmm. to do more than just thoughts of prayers. But I don't think that... I think Christians should 
not feel compelled that they have to do more in every situation because you can make that a logical absurdity. Every fundraiser on Facebook, you have to donate something because somebody has a medical emergency and you have to give to every single yeah. one. That's taking the principle of James too. What good is it if you don't give them your shirt, but just say, be warm and be well, yeah. right? You're, you can take that to the extreme, to an irrational thing, where if you don't give away every penny that you have to every emergency that ever comes across your way, yeah. you're, you're wrong. You're not right. doing enough. That's absurd. Yeah, it is absurd. Uh, so, the, th- the thing about it is where I hear genuine Christians yeah. um, using the I'll be praying for you type thing is either when, it's usually when there's not really something more you can do yeah. uh, feasibly. So um, if, if you're telling me that your marriage is falling apart or something, I mean, I'm going to be your friend, and in that sense, I, I can help you. But say I just had a coffee shop conversation with you, and I don't know you, and you've and somehow we've connected, and you've told me about your marriage is falling apart. I hope it's not, Pritchett, but no, your marriage, my marriage is falling is apart. And, um, and and, uh, you know, what am I supposed to do? I can recommend uh, perhaps a counselor. I can recommend some things you can do, although that might not even be welcome since I just met you. One thing I can do is say, listen, um, I'll be praying for you about that. Yeah. You know, that's reasonable. If it's something that I can in no way really feasibly impact, and it, like like right now, the, the, the rockets flying, you know, the, yeah. the, the, uh, you know, the Iranian uh, thing, and they, they, they bombed one of our bases, and uh, Trump, you know, killed one of their guys. Okay. Mm-hmm. I can't do a whole lot right. about that immediately. Uh, I can vote in the future. I can, I can, I don't know. I can do stuff. Maybe I can be some kind of an activist, or I don't know. But I can say, man, we need to pray about that. Yeah. Okay. That's where I hear Christians saying it is when there really isn't anything else they can do. They'll say something like, "At least I'll be praying for you." Otherwise, I hear them saying, "We're gonna. Hey, listen. Let's try to. Uh, this these people's house just burned down. Let's. Hey, can we organize some people to get clothes together and food? Can we get? That's one thing we always do, especially yeah. in the Baptist world. Hey, who's gonna make the? Who's gonna make the the which uh, casserole? And who's gonna make which pie? Right. And we're gonna take that over there. and We're gonna feed those people because that's something we can definitely do. And hey, let's take up a collection at church and try to help them out. And in addition to all that, we're going to have a time of prayer right. about that. That's how Christians use yeah, this and, thing. Yeah, and, and what I was going to say is, you know who does the most of that kind of organization and getting things together to help people? The people who typically say things like, uh, we're sending you our thoughts and prayers. The yeah. people who express thoughts and prayers towards any situation are also the people that, by the way, it's not even close by comparison, the people who overwhelmingly do way more than just send thoughts and prayers anyway. Mm-hmm. But sometimes um, that people will say that when they want to push an agenda, not, not necessarily just help uh, with relief aid or food or, or, or things. Sometimes uh, in the case of the school shooting and President Barack Obama said thoughts and prayers are not enough. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't like to get too political here, but I thought that was the worst thing a president could ever say. Because, number one, the people who are sending thoughts and prayers for that tragedy... You kind of just insulted them. Yeah, right? they're yeah. not legislators, for one right. thing, right? Mm-hmm. But they are doing something. Mm-hmm. Uh, because prayer works. And prayer, you can, you can pray for relief on the family and all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But two... <laughs> to demean that and say the more that you need to do is not send a check or send food or send bottled water. The more we need to do is change laws. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's a political agenda. Mm-hmm. So you've slighted thoughts and prayers, to, uh, you know, the people who... Th- Are you saying that the message you would get out of something like that, even if this isn't specifically necessarily what he meant by it, is religion's not really what's going to help you here. The government's going to help you. Well, well, that- there, well, there's that, but you've you've tried to... 
you've tried to push a political agenda while at the same time demeaning people yeah. who are showing and expressing concern over the situation. Sure. And like I said, we don't normally get political. And I'm not just picking on uh, you know that because I don't. I, I have it in for Barack Obama or, or whatever. I mean, whatever. It, it's really that's a that's a situation where he did say that, and that's what we're talking about today. Yeah. So, well, and, and so I'm going to use that as an example. And yeah. if you're if you're an Obama fan, I'm sorry. Right. That was a. I don't know who you're apologizing to. Yeah. You can say what you want. Uh, uh, but but that was that was like one of the worst things a president could say after a tragedy. And if opinion. you're the kind of person that's sitting out there thinking, yeah, well, the problem is, guys, is that whether you guys realize this or not. Uh, prayer, you're, you're turning to like fairy dust and magic to try and solve a real world problem when we could be getting to a real problem, a real answer. Here's the thing. Um, the, the truth about it is we're number one, you don't have to worry about that because even on your worldview, the, the same people who would be doing something anyway are still doing something anyway. Right. And they're just praying on top of that. And if you don't like it, then just, I mean, that's the world we live in. You live in a world where religion far out, far outweighs, uh, secularism or atheism. So you're going to, you're going to see a lot of people praying. You're going to hear a lot of people talking about praying. Um, but in, in addition to that, uh, we have two episodes from not too long ago, like just a few weeks, a few months ago, maybe, where we had a back-to-back -back episode where we presented uh, evidence for uh, the success of prayer. We dealt with those uh, prayer studies that always get charted out that supposedly showed that prayer doesn't do anything to heal people and blah, blah, blah. And um, and, and we looked at the biblical data that people think, seem to think is contradictory because there's not good reading comprehension. Yeah. And so, um, so we looked at all that. So I would point you back to those if you're interested in the evidential side of things. But the, the, I think the simple point that we want to make here is we have a lot of tragedy right now in our world, and it's always true that there's tragedy you know, going on all over the world, suffering that you don't necessarily see. But on a large scale, we got a continent that's burning to the ground, yeah. <laughs> and we have uh, uh, a, a, you know, a, ten, a tenuous situation with another country. And right now, prayer is a, is, a, is a very practical thing that anyone who's a believer can do right. uh, if they can't do anything else. Yeah, and that, that's the and the anything else thing. The the idea that 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 you sh like I said before, you could take it to the extreme that in every situation you have to pony up. Well, what if you don't have money? If all you can do is send thoughts and prayers and, and any sort of emotional support that you can from wherever you are and whatever the situation is, that's fine. Um, and going back to the president's statement, like I said, that's all that most people could do in that situation, and. But it was ever since that statement that I've seen it happen more and more as well. And then anytime there's any, it's almost a trope now that anything mm -hmm. bad happens, your thoughts and prayers are not enough. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's kind of like just a trope that that, that gets trotted out. But I want to defend uh, number one that thoughts and prayers are doing something. And, well, and, and, put, and, put, and put it this and way: if put you it. have a Christian worldview and you understand providence and God's use of means and all that other stuff. You could really be doing big things and not know. Right. You know? Well, and another way you could kind of turn it around is you might be doing everything else, but if you're not praying, you're not doing enough. You can right. always pray in addition to what else you're doing. Um, that That's an important piece of it. And one thing I'd like to challenge you to do, if you're skeptical about religious people and money and all that, a couple of things. First of all, um, perhaps you're a skeptic and uh, or an atheist or somebody, and, or maybe just a Christian who has bought into this thing that uh, you know pastors and preachers and all those kind of people are just in it for the money and they're only in it for the money and blah blah blah. Um, that's not true. And number one, it is largely not true. Are there guys out there 
that are pastors and preachers who are just doing stuff for the money, uh, yeah, there are there are wolves in sheep's clothing. Yeah, sure and guess what? Is. You've clearly got them. We've seen it just this past year. We've seen examples. You've clearly got problem people in the atheist and, and Christians go well. out of their way to point them out. Yeah, by the, way. the thing about it is, so. people are people. We, yeah. the, the Christian position is not that Christians are perfect people. The, the, uh, you know this. You know this. I know you live in a culture that's very evangelical. You know this. Uh, maybe you don't, but but for those that do, you do, and and that is that uh, the Christian message is we're all sinners, we all and, and we need Jesus. So there are good and bad people in the church. Uh, the, the the fact of the matter is there are far 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 more people in ministry who are not making the money they could be making right. doing something else, and who are not bad people. I'll tell you this. Yeah, I was going to say you don't have any reason to trust me, but I uh, have spoken in hundreds of churches over the past. 15, 16, well, close to 20 years now. I've spoken in hundreds of churches. In all that time, hundreds of pastors, I've only met two that I've ever thought were not doing this, like, at least trying to do this for the right reasons. Yeah. It, it's absolutely absurd, and you don't know what you're talking about if you say that. And over, I say that loving yeah, Over 300,000 churches in the United States, you ask 99.5% of them, if, you know, if they're in this for the money, they're going to laugh in your face because most of them aren't making that much. Right, and so, they could be making some uh, more right, doing something like else. Yeah. And, and and the thing about it is, so when it, so when it comes, but then ask, follow that with this: ask yourself, how do the major missions organizations? How, how do we? What what do people that are religious who are giving? What do they accomplish with their money? You'll be amazed if your impression is that all we use money from churches for is to go and preach at people on the street in other countries. You are sorely mistaken. The money that is collected from religious people goes to help people all over the world in very tangible. It's helping people to preach the gospel, but it helps people in very physical, earthy ways as well. So uh, th- this idea that prayers are not enough. Uh, the the people that are that are um, intrinsically and extrinsically uh, real, uh, Christian, specifically, I'm a yeah. Christian, are doing both. Yeah. And churches of many different kinds of church polity, whether Episcopalian, Presbyterian, or Congregationalist, I've seen all kinds of churches of all kinds of denominations. You know what they do? They show the church their budget, what they spend on salaries, what they spend on building and, and, and bills. And it's what completely they spend transparent. Yeah, you can... Not all be. of them, but most, the overwhelming majority, if you want to know where the money goes, it goes in the plate, they're happy to show it to you mm-hmm. because they, they don't want anyone to, to think that they're being shady with the money. Um, and if you're in a Congregationalist church, a lot of, a lot of churches say, well... They'll look at that, and you know what happens? It's not we're pa- paying the pastor too much money. It's it's time to vote the pastor a raise. I've seen that way more. You know, it's like the pastor needs a little bit more money, guys. We're you know, uh, we have it in the budget. Let's give it to him because the pastor works 60, 70 hours a week. Yeah, and so. he's not just preaching Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night right. anymore either. He or ever he's the the job of a pastor, especially in a smaller church where there aren't other staff. Um, and in a larger church, there are more staff, but there are also more people to minister right. to. You're not just uh, preaching. You're also visiting people in the hospital. You're also calling people nonstop. You're also uh, meeting people at their jobs because they want you to talk to their coworker. You're, you're doing all kinds of things. 
Um, you're getting calls. I grew up in a minister's family and I've been a minister. You're getting calls at one o'clock in the morning. You're getting calls at 7.30 when your daughters want to spend time with you. You're, 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 you're everyone's. You don't have one boss. You, you should. You, I mean, the, the spiritual people are going to be like, you're performing for an audience of one. Well, yeah. that's true. You are. God is your boss. But yeah. here's the thing. In a human, very earthy, practical sense, you are responsible for however many people are in your church. And that's a lot of bosses, you yeah. know. And, I, and so, yeah. yeah. And I still stand by the, by what I said in a previous episode. Ever since the advent of Patreon, atheists and other non-religious people have no whining about religious people and money anymore. Yeah, You're, that's so, done. You all you do is ask for money on your YouTube channel. So I don't know how I got done. off on this tangent, yeah. and I'm not even a pastor right now. But yeah. for you pastors, I hope you appreciate it because the typical pastor, if he's doing his job right. What are all the jobs that he has? Okay, he's a he's a he's a public speaker. That's oh, true. I just wanted to add. And if you do appreciate what he's saying, think about becoming a patron and supporting our program yeah, financially. In the top right hand corner we're going to ask for money. But he's anyway, he's ahead. he's a public communicator. Yes, uh, which counselor. by the way, do you know that's the second great or the biggest? No, that's the number one fear people have. In public speaking. This is a joke that's gone on a long time, but uh, that's the number one fear. Number two is dying, or at least it used to be. I don't know what it is now. So if you're at a funeral, people are more scared to be the guy giving the eulogy than they are the guy in the casket. So they're public communicators, number one. There's a bit of performance art in it because you have to be interesting and enjoyable to listen to because though it may not sound spiritual, spiritual people out there, if a sermon is not enjoyed or or interesting, it won't be listened to. Uh, Number three, there are... They're a counselor, that's for sure. They have to and, solve problems. Yeah, and, and then people get mad at them right. when uh, for stuff. And then number and then number four, they've got to be a conflict manager along with that counseling. Yeah. And sometimes for a large body of people, number five, they've got to be a researcher. Number six, they've got to do I don't even know what you would call it, but pastoral care, going out to people who are in the hospital. We call it visitation. Yeah, but I'm trying to think of another profession that would be like it. But yeah, you have you. You've got all, he's a lot of different things or whatever, you know. So the thing about it is, uh, these pastors that you think are in it for the money, and, and oh, and let's move on to the popular level apologists that you mm. think are just in it for the money. Because guess what? A lot of them could be doing something else too, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so this, there's a lot going on out there. I think when people say certain tropey things, they haven't deeply thought about yeah, it. Yeah, your thoughts I've and prayers are enough. And- and they're only in it for the money. Uh, the other point I wanted to make, the second point, um, I, I said number one, and then we got on that whole tangent. And I I'm sorry. don't want our viewers to think that I forgot about <clears throat> number two. So uh, number two, I don't want people to feel that if you don't have anything to give, that you're obligated to drum up something to give. Um, so think locally, for example, because we've already covered the things that, you know, um, can you give time? Well, if, if you're a single mother with young children in the house, it's hard to arrange care so that you can go out and, you know, when you're already working and daycare and everything else, that you can go help rebuild the parsonage or whatever is going on that, that needs that needs. I don't want people to feel obligated that, well, my thoughts and prayers are not enough. I've got to do something. I've got to do something. Every single emergency, you've got to do something. No. Yeah, and uh, I, honestly, I think, the woman who, who is a stay-at-home mom or whatever and has three kids or whatever, yeah. um, if she does give up some time to do something, that's worth more. 
yeah. because she didn't she had less to give, right? Yeah, or the or the guy that works two jobs that you know yeah. take care of his family. He doesn't have enough money to just donate to every single unless he's crisis. working two jobs because he's living beyond his means. Then yeah. he needs to be more meager and quit one of those jobs <laughs> and give more time to the Lord. But right, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Some people out there mm-hmm. to make ends meet, they have to work more than one job. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, it's it's. I think the Lord leads people to give of their time and money. I think that some people ignore that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not saying that that doesn't happen, but what mm-hmm. I am saying is that thoughts and prayers are something, and they also lead to more, and that the people who give thoughts and prayers overwhelmingly do the more than the people who don't. There's a, even a book, uh, Who Really Cares?, and it, it far away, you know, religious people, and especially the middle class and lower classes, give a higher percentage of what they have of time and money and resources mm-hmm. than any other demographic, which I think is interesting. Because mm-hmm. if you have a million dollars and you only give $100, or you have $1,000 and you give $100, the, the $100 for the thousandaire right. hits harder. Like I've heard, it say, I've heard it said that if Bill Gates drops a $100 bill walking down the street... It is literally not worth his time to stop and pick it up, right? Based on what he's generating every <laughs> second, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but for other people, a hundred bucks hits me pretty hard. Yeah, I'd like to find his hundred bucks. Right, exactly. It's worth my time to go look yeah, for. That's right. Where were you at? You were at Target. Okay, I'm gonna yeah. go. He wasn't at Target. Bill yeah. Gates wasn't at Target. Bill Gates wasn't at Target. No, <laughs> especially not in Evansville. Yeah. Although Dennis Quaid was recently here, did you know that? No, I didn't. You know the Parlor Donuts. Yeah, Down there? right around the corner. Yeah, D- uh, Dennis Quaid and his girlfriend or whatever were in there. Oh, cool. How about that? Why did we miss that? We're I literally found out about a it block after the from fact. there. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it did. was. It's very likely that we could have just happened to run into Dennis Quaid. Yeah, but we we never keep up with anything. And since it's Evansville, we'd be like, man, that guy sure looked like Dennis Quaid. Yeah. <laughs> Do we have anything else to say on this, or uh, is, is that pretty well it? Yeah. Uh, oh. Well, you're trying to end the show. No, I'm just saying. I, I, I mean, people... I have... Short episodes are fine. Cor- yeah, no, I'm, I'm in favor of shorter episodes. But um, I have a couple practical things okay. that we want to talk about. Okay. Like, so when you see something happen, and you want to... And, and somebody's going through something. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, my... Uh, Mother, sister, spouse, husband, whatever, child, in the hospital. Mm-hmm. For some people, that, that it can be automatic. And this is one thing that I'll give some of the critics. In some cases, it can be an automatic Christian trope to say, oh, well, I'll be praying for you. Yeah, And then I don't you like never that. do. Well, that's what I led with at the top yeah. of the episode. I hate that. Right. Um but I think people are, well, I, I want to give the benefit of the doubt, and the most charitable of that is they are expressing something that they, they are sympathetic to the mm-hmm. situation. Um, but if you're one of those people that you want to pray for people, but you, you tell people that, but then you forget, I think a quick prayer right there, yes. less than five yes. minutes after you That's said good. it, stop, pray, and, and you don't have to... If you don't pray again, at least you prayed once. I like that. I, when yeah. somebody asks me to pray for them, I always try to pray right then. Yeah. Like if somebody texts me and says, "Will you pray for me about this, whatever?" I pray for them before I even respond that I'm gonna that I do. Yeah. And I tell them I prayed for you right now. Right. Um, same thing. Yeah. At church, someone says, "And it, 
it's pretty cool. It can be meaningful to them if you come along and you say, hey, Braxton, will you pray for me? Because, again, my marriage is falling apart again. And I say, let's pray about that right now, Jonathan. Why is it let's always pray my, right now. I'm the happiest married guy I know. Well, that's why it's safe yeah. to use you Unless for this you know something you. about my marriage I don't even know. I don't know anything yeah. about your marriage. Right. <laughs> Except my, what's your report. Yeah, my marriage is awesome. But um, to me, that that seems to work for me. I'm if not, you get a divorce, I... I um, I, um, ain't no divorce in my house. I gave, There's murder, but there ain't divorce. Right. I gave. Uh, I gave. I endorsed. Not endorsed. What? I did in honor of. Yeah. Dedicated. I dedicated letters of ignorantia to you and Misty. Right. Jonathan and Misty. And um, if you get a divorce, one of you is going to be taken out of that book. So we'll have to decide. Oh man. We'll have a hearing and determine yeah. which one is no longer is it dedicated to. I have a feeling you actually say, sorry, Jonathan, but I like Misty. She has yeah. proofread two of my books. Right. So, she, And one of which I've not read yet. So, yeah, yeah. that's going to be a tough call. Well, we'll pray that never happens. So, you know. We'll be praying about that. <laughs> yeah. But see, I can't. I literally can't do anything else to help you there. Right. Hey, well, or you could pray that I read your book. The, the that's not going to help your marriage. It could. Which book? <laughs> Which book? One of them's no, got you, some romance you, in no, it. No, you could pray that I read your book so that puts me in your better graces. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then yeah. you might have a chance of staying yeah. in, and she goes. Right. So so pray as soon as humanly possible, or like Brax says, before you, if it's in text or something, or mm-hmm. you know, before you say, yeah, I'll be praying for you, just go ahead and do it. And I think if you do it once, you're more likely to do it later on in the day if you think about it or whatever. Especially Praying. the more that a person means for you. But I see on Facebook, somebody says my wife is going to the hospital or whatever. I stop and pray for it and then move on because... I pray it, when that, I see an ambulance. Yeah. it's That's far more important, though, I think, than whatever else you're reading on Facebook or arguing about anyway. Just say a prayer because you know what? You're a Christian. Uh, another practical thing is if, like you said, if it's something local... You know, uh, I'm always weary about, you need to give to this so-and-so charity or this so-and-so. We're raising funds to go send water to whatever, and you don't know anything about that charity. I've, I've seen the insides of charities, and sometimes less than 4% of your giving actually goes to anything that they're claiming it goes to, because most of that goes to overhead and salaries. So you got to be careful with that anyway. But, but locally, um, you can make a difference in your own community. Pray for what you can do to help mm-hmm. in any way possible and let God lead you to help. Because I, I really think that time that you do pray, that time does lead the praying person to bake the casserole or go help on a Saturday afternoon repair some damage or, or go visit. the. You know how much it means to people when it's more than just the pastor who shows up to pray yeah. uh, at the hospital and visit? All of that stuff counts. And so reiterate what I said earlier, the thoughts and prayers thing leads to more things, and the thoughts and praying people do the more things anyway. But these are some practical things that I wanted to get out there. Uh, pray sooner rather than later when you say you're going to pray for somebody, and pray for ways that you can do more uh, so that you can so that you go out and do more um, for, you know, I, I just don't like the sentiment that's expressed with thoughts and prayers aren't enough because thoughts and prayers lead to more. So yeah. I, I don't know. I just that really bugged me uh, seeing that. I can tell. Yeah, but you're not you. You and I cannot go put out a fire in Australia. It, they wouldn't want us there. No, <laughs> we'd be useless and in the way. Um, 
But you know what you and I can do? We can go visit a church member who's sick. Sure. And, and say a prayer, and and it wouldn't be much out of our way on the way home if we need to do that. So um, I just wanted to give some practical. Yeah, I think that's good. Button that we haven't done like churchy stuff on Trinity yeah, Radio in good. a while, so we're going to start the year off uh, with something churchy, so that we can point back and say, yeah, we did churchy stuff, and then yeah, and back to our and, yeah, the normal stuff. <laughs> right. But but I will say, uh, some of you have heard me kind of give this little testimony before, but I'll say it now because it leads to something that I want to share with you. First of all. Um, uh, so as some of you know, about a year, well now a year and a half ago, um, I was praying and I can't convince you of this. All I can do is tell it to you and you can, you know, it's not, you, you can say that I was just doing it for arrogant or personal reasons or whatever, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't for greed or anything like that. But as, uh, a guy in administration at a Bible college and seminary, uh, I, I prayed that if God would allow me opportunities, I was thinking about our friend who has a show, Leighton Flowers, Soteriology 101, and how we get a lot of students out of that show. Um, we were just looking at it, we've gotten something like 225 uh, requests for information from people from his show yeah. or something like that. So I was thinking, Lord, if there's, I was praying, and I, it just came out of my mouth, Lord, if, if, if it would be good for uh, the kingdom um, and good for Trinity in that order, uh, for me to kind of increase in people's awareness of me, so I could speak on behalf of the school and preach the gospel, then I would, I would, I would take that, even if it was hard. The next day, or the next day after that, I'm starting to forget now. I was, uh, I, I got the opportunity to go do the Matt Dillahunty debate. That led to a whole bunch of other things. It led to relationships with people like Mike Winger and uh, Cameron Bertuzzi and John McRae, and it opened up other doors. I spoke at conferences for three years in a row that were you know, pretty big apologetics conferences, and, um, and all that led to this. Also in that time, I prayed, Lord, I pray you'd let me use the knowledge I had from the theological world, from these soteriological debates about free will and determinism to somehow impact people for Christ. That's a weird uh, sort of a thing, but uh, I believe God gave me or led me toward an argument that I could use to that end, the free will argument for God's existence. And um, I, I want to share with you something that I got today that I think is pretty powerful. So I don't want to say the name of this person because I don't know if they would want me to do that, but um, if I get permission to, I will, because this person also financially uh, gave a, a a pretty substantial contribution to what we're doing here so we could get new stuff to make yes. the show better. And they sent me this message today. What crazy timing that I have a direct line to you so that I can show you some of the fruit of your ministry as it helps guys like me evangelizing real people. It gives the name of a person. We're going to call this person Bill. Okay, that's not his name. Bill has a rough history, and we lost touch a few years ago, but we met up again shortly after I watched your Matt Dillahunty debate. My main segue to talk about God with him was this really cool free will argument. It was interesting to him, and we've met up once or twice a month since then just to keep open communication. I had dinner with him Wednesday, and my wife saw this on Facebook this morning, uh, and, and it was a post from the guy who was saying that he's been an unbeliever for a long, long, long time, and now he, has, uh, he thinks he's coming back to faith. Um, he says, I want to thank you again for giving Christians like me the confidence that our faith is firmly planted in reality as well as additional tools to use beyond the computer screen. Thank you again for what you do, and please know that you are impacting Christians and non-Christians alike. If you knew Bill in person, you would not have easily thought a post like this would be possible as he has been in and out of trouble his entire life. Thank you again, and please be encouraged to continue. Amen. So uh, this is a pretty powerful testimony, and um, I, I just wanted to share it and say that uh, 
that was the result of prayer. I think that not only his prayer for his friend, but a prayer that allowed for opportunities, I think. I think God granted opportunities that led to really where we are right now and why many of you are watching this this program right now. Yeah, and I was going to say, if you've seen Braxton's pickup truck, he's not rich. So he's not like... It's not like God make me super duper famous. Though if that happens, that'd be pretty cool. But that that wasn't the prayer you're praying. Right. You're praying for influence so that we can do good things. Because you know what? Trinity College of the Bible and Theological Seminary, with professors like Braxton Hunter, Layton Flowers, and um, of course me. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. that, especially me is what I meant to say. Um, we yeah. have students that are changing the world, and we want more people to be a part of that. And so anything and everything that, you know, God graces us with so that we can expand that and become what we call the academic city of God, um, I'm praying that prayer too, you know. I, I feel like uh, even though I'm his elder, you know, in age, you know, I feel like kind of like John the Baptist, you know, I must decrease so that he can Oh, my increase. gosh. So, you know. That's absurd, but thank I, you. I know it's absurd because everyone watches the show because of me. Right. That's right. No, I'm just kidding. That's absolutely right. Almost everyone. Uh, so check out our sister programs, Sociology 101 with Leighton Flowers, The Bible Wrote Down with Billy Wendell and Matt Chisholm, and, uh, and Steve Gregg's The Narrow Path. And believe it or not, we are finally at the moment that in just a week or two, hopefully, we'll be able to introduce you to a new show um, yeah. that is a part of the Trinity Commission that we Woo-hoo. believe is going to do great things for God. So I hope you've enjoyed this. We'll be praying for you, and we'll see you next time on Trinity Radio. This is the last word. There are those of us who grew up watching Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger and want to look like muscle-bound action stars. That's not me. Uh, that's Dr. Pritchett. Uh, the, for me, I, I grew up just always being that guy who's a little bit pudgy and uh, never never fat exactly never skinny just kind of that you know casual fit and so uh what i did when i started needing to lose weight when i first moved to evansville about uh, 11 years ago now i got on a treadmill and i put the treadmill at the highest elevation hung on for dear life and walked uphill at about 3.5 as i got better up to 4.5 miles an hour for an hour According to the treadmill, it said that I'd lost a thousand calories. Now, hanging on for dear life like that, did I really burn a thousand calories? Who knows? I don't want to know. I want to think that I did. Nevertheless, in about three months, I'd lost about 45 pounds. Believe it or not, uh, I was uh, about as skinny then as Dr. Pritchett is now. I didn't have the muscle, but you know what? I looked like a French model. And as a result of that, I was really happy. People started commenting on how I'd lost the weight. Like Dr. Pritchett, I can tell you that there's a simple way to lose weight, and that is diet and exercise. Forget all the books, forget all the conferences, forget all the uh, infomercials, just take the fork out of your mouth and work out and uh, eat less. Uh, But uh, thank God for treadmills, because were it not for the treadmill, um, I, I wouldn't have lost all that weight. Now, I have joined the gym again, and I have renewed my relationship with the treadmill. Let's watch for results.